You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm your host, Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Ariel Leonard, who's the Chief Human Resources Officer at Rug Doctor out in Texas. Ariel, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Thank you. It's so great to have you on the show. I'm really excited to dive into our topic, but I know you've listened to a few episodes already that we've released, and you know that we always start with just a little bit of context on your career background and you telling us a little bit about your company. So why don't we start there? Okay. All right. So um, I'm Ariel Leonard, as you mentioned, and I am currently the um, pro for Rug Doctor. And prior to this, I've been here now for um, a little over 18 months, Um, had the lucky fortune of starting in this role about three weeks before I ended up having to furlough over half the company due to the pandemic last year. Um, so that was definitely really interesting. You're definitely wondering, did I, did I make the right move? Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Hard, for sure. <laughs> so no, but it was great. I mean, it was definitely, you know, a, a year to learn all about how important HR is for the business, right? So, um, so definitely an amazing experience. Prior to that, I was a senior director um, of HR at Rena Center, um, and then prior to that, I was uh, in HR at J.C. Penney, and I have really kind of been back and forth between operations and HR. Um, so I have always to be honest, had kind of a love-hate relationship with HR. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, back when I was in operations, out in the field, you know, um, anytime HR would call, I was not very, just because I just felt like, you know, hey, you guys don't make money, so call me when you make money, you know? And and I just didn't really see the use for HR, you know, the point for HR. And um, luckily, I was able to go to JCPenney as part of my career. And I started out there as a trainer, a corporate trainer. And I learned uh, very quickly through JCPenney uh, how important you know HR was to be set up the, the right way to support the business. And so a lot of previous HR that I experienced wasn't real HR, that at least what I have now come to know and love and, and believe in is my philosophy around HR. So, um, so I've always kind of gone back and forth um, and really come back to a different appreciation for HR each time. And now I'm fully you know, invested in HR. I love it. I want to continue in that and continue helping people see what HR should really be. Um, which at the end of the day is is a partner to the business, yeah. and that's it. And I think that I think that all of us can kind of you know recognize that that feeling of oh this is not the kind of HR team that's necessarily invested in the you know the business. They're more administrative, or they're more you know just kind of making sure that all the compliance things are happening, which is fine. That's definitely necessary. But the only way that the business is going to get ahead is if HR is supporting the business as a partner and, and, you know, helping with the thought leadership before, you know, things even happen, right. Operationally um, and before they even get executed. So, so I have made it back to HR, which is great. Um, And of course learned a ton, you know, as far as being in operations and how HR should be truly set up. Um, 
And, uh, and here at Rug Doctor, this is, um, we are a, a middle market, middle sized you know, company, um, definitely an iconic brand mm -hmm. that everybody knows. Um, and the, what, what everybody doesn't know is that even though you are very familiar with Rug Doctor, there's a lot of work to be done to really make sure that Rug Doctor can, um, uh, make it through, you know, the next few decades, right. Especially as a not only a retailer, but we are in this, you know, special niche of rental, um, mm -hmm. the rental economy and things like that. So, so um, our company today really is a perfect example of you have to have HR, you know, to set up the business and to support the business. And um, in these types of companies, you're really going to see the impact that you have mm -hmm. um, as the uh, being the HR team. So so that's well, kind of where we're at today. <laughs> I love it. I am so excited to just leverage that wealth of experience and knowledge that you have and just kind of tap into that today for a couple minutes. So before we really get into our topic that, you know, we really want to focus on today, one of the things that I want to go back to is, you know, you talked about having maybe a different perception of HR when you were in a field or operations role to what you have now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's something that's come up as I've talked to other HR leaders in the past, mm -hmm. especially in small businesses is, you know, one, one person put it like HR has a branding problem. Like people, people think we're just the red tape people. Yep. You got to stop talking when you come around the, the water cooler. But I, I want to go back to like, just because you've been kind of in those shoes of thinking that, and now you're leading HR for a mid-sized yeah. company. What yeah. was the change that happened that really was like the light bulb moment for you in changing that mindset? Mm -hmm. And and then the second part of that is what are the attributes of a really good, successful HR department that makes it so that they're not like that? Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I guess going to the first part of your um, question, so yes, definitely. I was in the field and running a PL based business and you have HR call you for, you know, in your opinion, the most asinine things, right. Mm -hmm. That have absolutely nothing to do with making money and being mm -hmm. profitable. And, um, so there's always been that I, I like that you say branding problem. I think it's a communication problem, to be yeah. honest, you know, I think it's, um, more of a, you know, these two groups are not communicating the right way. And more importantly, um, they're not clued into how well they could be helping each other and how well they could be impacting the business if they were, were, were working together. So, so for a long time for me, it was just kind of, I didn't really see the point of HR. Um, and, but then I fell in love with training and um, teaching people, you know, how to be really good at running a PL based business. And that's kind of what got me into HR. Although trainers will tell you we're not HR <laughs> um, or we're the most fun part of HR. Yeah. Um, but uh, so talent development, I fell in love with talent development, learned all about talent development. And then um, my real first uh probably best experience of what convinced me about, you know, the power of HR, if it was done right, was actually when I was asked to uh, leave the training role that I was in and help spearhead this Sephora Inside JCPenney initiative. Mm 
mm-hmm. that um, JCPenney had going for a long time. <laughs> and so I was one of the first people on that team. And I remember telling my boss at the time, you know, I'm, I'm a trainer. I'm not a project manager. I don't really know why you want me to be involved in that. Um, but luckily, you know, she's a very visionary leader and she saw other potential in me, right? And equated what I was already doing from a training perspective to what this would be in terms of opening these new stores inside of, um, you know, JCPenney stores. And um, the Sephora, uh, the Sephora joint relationship was uh, very unique in that it was a 50-50 partnership. And so I was very blessed to not only work for JCPenney, but be exposed to this incredible company who has, I would still say, the strongest brand, you know, the strongest brand integrity and brand values out there. Um, I don't think you've, you'll find Sephora ever straying away from their values and from their brand identity. And so, and we were contractually obligated to make sure that it always felt like a Sephora inside the JCPenney store. So, um, so that's when I first got my taste of the talent life cycle because I I was responsible for building these stores and hiring the talent, bringing them in and building the team and, you know, getting all of these little stores going. Um, and so you really start, you see very quickly if you, you know, what parts of the talent life cycle aren't working um, or are not even there. Right. And there's not, you know, and you don't have any support there. Um, so that was really kind of my first understanding of, well, if HR is done right, you know, then it absolutely has a huge impact on the business. My ability to hire people better and hire the right people faster the first time, right? And so, you know, there was a lot of learnings, a lot of trial and error and opening. I I ended up opening the first 250 stores before I transitioned to, to a different role. Um, but just the entire time, that, that was kind of you know where I realized, okay, talent life cycle is a big part of this, and if it's not working and if it's not set up properly, you're you know you're SOL, <laughs> and it really really impacts the operation side you know of of the business. So. Um, and then just kind of, you know, fast forward, JCPenney went through a lot of interesting things that I was um, fortunately um, and unfortunately, I guess, um, there to be part of. I learned a lot of what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned about, you know, hey, um, again, HR is so important. We had uh, Ron Johnson come in at one point from Apple and um, he had his stint there. And then uh, when he left, it it was we had to rebuild HR and, and and bring it back because it was not the HR that it used to be, um, and so we knew that we we had to you know run it more like or make sure that it was in support of these businesses right that um, that really needed our help and so so again it was just really cemented in me around you know it's really important about this talent life cycle it, it, all of it has to be happening you can't yeah. just be stuck in one part you know acquisition or you know development or whatever um, and most importantly um, you know you it has to translate to your people and your leaders. And so however your business lays out at the end of the day, your workforce, right? Um, Your workforce is who you have to be thinking about in terms of where are they on the talent life cycle? And you want them to know where they are on the talent life cycle. And you want to, and you have to make sure that everybody knows where they're at on the talent life cycle, right? And that's the job of every manager Mm -hmm. is making sure that, you know, this person understands you're new and you need to learn a lot of new, a lot of things. And meanwhile, you're not new and I'm expecting a lot of things I'm not getting. Right. And then meanwhile, you've been here a while. We need to figure out what to do, yeah. you know, with you. Right. Um, so that you continue to add value. So. 
So when I went to Renaissance Center, that was when I really, really was fortunate to learn um, uh, firsthand how important HR was to support the business. My divisional vice president over the operations um, group uh, over the field was um, very, very clear about, you know, how he wanted his team to be supported, you know, his his coworkers. And so um, so that was the best education that I got, which was from an operator, not from, you know, HR. So again, it was more about, you know, making sure that I stood strong to the talent life cycle is HR's guide and our roadmap. So I already have that. Now it's about applying that to the business, right? Mm-hmm. In the right way so that we're profitable at the end of the yeah. day and you have a happy client. Um, so that's kind of how it transitioned for me. And I became a much stronger believer. And then a few years ago, to be honest, my husband became head of HR at uh, his company. And um, so I just literally was like, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so You're probably better too. Huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. So <laughs> no, he's uh, so he, I mean, he has taught me the most along the way. I mean, Definitely, I've learned about how to how important it is about being an HR business partner yeah. from him. You know, so that's that's been that's been critical too. So, um, so anyway, so that's kind of how I've gotten to that. So I know that's the first part of your question, and the second half of your question was around attributes yeah. for a team. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's that's a great question. I think um, for me, the only way that you really can answer that is you do have to bring it back to your talent life cycle and you do have to think about, you know, scaling that the right way to scale that out to everyone. So it's, I would, as an HR leader, my biggest concern is do I have, you know, all parts of the talent life cycle covered, right? Because I need to make sure that my partners, my peers, and really the whole company understands that this is the talent life cycle and I want to deliver a hundred percent of it to you but there are going to be things that prevent me from doing that size of my team resources, you know, all these things. Right. So when I came to rug doctor, um, there was only two and a half people on the team and there was no HR happening. Right. It was pretty typical of smaller businesses, things like that. Um, there was just to kind of keep the lights on, make sure people are paid. Right. And let's try to stay out of trouble in terms of, you know, compliance and things like that. Um, because again, they were just understaffed and not resourced, but I came on with the um, understanding that I needed to change that. I need to make sure that we built HR in support of the business. So I was faced with that, you know, that question of, well, what do I want my team to, you know, be like, and and what do I need? Um, and again, for me, it was just bringing it back to the talent life cycle to say, all right, well, rug doctor, you know, what are our biggest pain points right now from the operation standpoint? Where can we? add value this, you know, the fastest. Um, and so putting those two, you know, putting the two together to say, here's the TLC and here's how things work around here. That's when you can start to say, okay, I really need an emphasis more on talent acquisition, right? Because today, for example, what I walked into was all of these operators out there wasting so much time trying to find their next 
team player, right? And that's not what we need them to do. That's not how they make us profitable. Um, and that, and so we, the first thing was, well, let's take all that back because all that does is add value to their lives. They can turn around and can, you know, continue going after what they should be going after, which is the money, right? Yeah. Um, not being saddled with trying to fill the turnover. Um, so that was kind of the one of the first areas. So I, I did it kind of in, in pieces, right? Um, I didn't hire everybody right away. But I made sure that everybody that I hired and everybody that was on my team understood what my vision was, which was I just want to I want to go according to the talent life cycle, according to what Red Doctor needs from the talent life cycle. And so then we, you know, evolved and really, you know, made sure that we were covering all aspects of it. And then now we're in a great place to say you know, hey, this is an area, for example, talent development is probably the only gap that I have on my team today where I fill that gap more so than um, than anyone else. But ideally, you know, we we now know that we need somebody to, you know, kind of fill that space. So along the way, I've been able to help my peers and my board and everyone that I've had to ask for money, basically mm-hmm. understand, here's what I'm going to do with that money. I'm ultimately trying to deliver you hundred percent, but until my team looks like this, I can only deliver you 32%, 68%, yep. you know? And so that way it's, 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 it brings everybody along with you to help them understand this is why we need to invest more in HR than we ever have before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also a department that can show you the ROI on your investment sooner, faster, better than any other department. So yeah, I love that. I think that that's just like such awesome context. And so what I get from that is I'm hearing you say that, you know, where that change happened for you and where HR attributes of a really great HR department are really focused on what are the needs of the business and the leaders across the business and how do we help them be more efficient and effective in whatever they're trying to accomplish by helping leverage and get more out of or find the right people. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to because the, you know, the biggest expense for most businesses out there, the most important thing comes down to people. And so if we can really get more out of those people, help make sure that they're supported then from like a bottom line standpoint for your business, all of a sudden there's this massive impact. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is truly about helping the business make your case for what you need in HR to get that talent life cycle going for the business, right? Because ultimately you want every leader in your business, especially managers over teams, they should be the ones that are thinking about the talent life cycle and thinking about where that person is on that talent life cycle, thinking about, you know, their whole team and, you know, what needs to happen and who is where and that kind of thing. I love it. So you have already done a a wonderful job of kind of setting the stage for our topic today, which is the word that we've heard you say so much is talent (laughs) life cycle, right? And and, and as we talked about what do we discuss today, you can tell that you're passionate about it. And it's just a key part of what you do. So you mentioned for a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, their talent life cycle or their TLC is not getting enough TLC, Mm -hmm. if you will, right? So just to set the stage a little bit, let's back up. Give us a shared definition for what you mean when you say talent life cycle. Yep. So the talent life cycle for HR is that standard 
you know, where's the employee? So some people start at the funnel of um, acquisition, acquiring that talent, and then onboarding, maybe some time is spent, you know, in onboarding, mainly development, right? Then you've got kind of engagement, you know, and retention of that employee. And and then at some point you're determining, you know, what's going to happen to that employee. Um, Do they continue to be with us or do we, you know, do we elevate them, promote them, that kind of thing. So I think every kind of HR leader probably looks at it slightly differently, but that's pretty much the same, you know, cycle that we're all thinking about, right. Is, you know, it just drives and feeds it, feeds into itself. So so that's that's really what I mean by the talent life cycle is um, understanding that we in HR, unlike any other department or any other function in your business, we have our roadmap. We have we know exactly what we need, and, and it doesn't change. It doesn't matter what the business is. It that doesn't change. You're going to have to think about acquiring the talent, developing that talent, retaining that talent, and then ultimately, what do you do with that talent, right? Um, and so. So I think, you know, however you look at it, that's ultimately what you're probably thinking about. Yeah. And and that's what I mean by the talent life cycle. And I think that that that's really where um, especially smaller businesses, smaller teams, you know, they really have to bring it back to that. Keep it pure to that, um, especially the, the more lean you are, <laughs> because you've got to help everybody understand this is not all of this can get done, but all of this has to happen. That talent life cycle is going all the time, right? There's people at different places on it all the time. So that's, that's what you've got to keep it, you know, pure to. That's awesome. I think that's an excellent framework. So I guess that kind of the sub question of that is, is talent life cycle the same thing as some people say, like the employee experience, or do you feel like those are kind of different in some way? I think they're related. And I think that employee experience is something you have to be thinking about at every part of your talent life cycle. Um, And I think that's kind of a great way to, it's kind of an output or a metric, you know, that goes on your dashboard overall to say, this is why we have the talent life cycle in place because we're looking at overall employee engagement and we can slice and dice it in different ways. But at the end of the day, what do our employees truly, you know, are they going to, would they recommend us to someone else or not? Would they ask someone to come join them? That's really your biggest indicator of engagement. And um, along with other things like participation and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really bad. Are they really having a good experience and enjoying what they're doing along that journey with your company. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And making sure that you're plugging in to find out, you know, what does that, what is, what does that particular experience look and feel like really, you know, to people. So of course, um, you know, you're always going to be chasing lagging indicators that, you know, or that you're trying to get ahead of, but that's one of the easiest ways is to just bring it back to your talent life cycle to say, you know, what are the metrics that are the most important ones that we could change or manipulate that would truly impact the business. Yeah, that's great. I love that framework just to be able to think about it that way. So kind of going back to what we were talking about with this topic, what would you say, what are the biggest challenges or what's wrong with most small businesses, talent life cycles today? Definitely the challenge I think comes from not having enough resources. Probably, you know, HR is not going to be HR doesn't make any money. So you're always going to have the struggle of helping your peers and your, you know, your ELT, your board, whoever understand 
we, we don't necessarily make money, but we certainly contribute to both your bottom and top lines, mm-hmm. especially when we have an understanding of the business and when we're resourced properly to ensure that that talent life cycle is going. So at the end of the day, you know, you can't be at all. You can't recruit, you can't train, you can't, you know, engage them and, and then determine, you know, their path in life all at the same time. So you have to help your, you know, your peers and whoever your clients understand what you're trying to do, what you can do. Um, and so I think that's the biggest challenge is that it it's, not very many of us are ever trained on how to talk to someone who only cares about the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't care about people, but maybe at the end of the day, they're your board of directors, they're your PE firm, they're your owners, whatever it is. If you will be, you will be better suited um, in your HR role and to support HR for your company by always knowing you know, where you are at on your talent life cycle, how much you're able to deliver and communicating that to the team and helping them understand that if I was able to, for example, hire a specialized recruiter, have someone overseeing that, I can pull all of that recruiting effort from your field team or whoever's doing it today. And then we can centralize that. What does that mean for you guys? You can put that, you can put numbers around that, you know, dollars around that. Um, Got to speak their language, right? Absolutely. And I think that's where I think that's where a lot of probably smaller companies get HR gets lost in it because you may not necessarily have someone who understands how to translate the value into ROI. Right. And it, and you can you there's you know some assumptions you got to make, but but you can easily help someone who's you know only focused on the numbers understand that if you do resource me properly, if you do help me help everybody else, you know, and get this talent life cycle at a hundred percent, then, you know, look at what we could do for the business. Look at what the business would be able to accomplish that kind of thing. So it's, yeah. it's constantly staying on top of that and, and making sure that, you know, you know, um, where you could be, you know, getting more out of your talent life cycle and, and therefore yeah. more out of your peers and things like that. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm I'm thinking of a previous episode that we did where, you know, someone shared the analogy of there's three types of HR people. Typically, you have your traffic cop, you have your city planner and you have your mayor. And I think the two most common are like your traffic cop and your city planner. Right. And so I really like that analogy because for someone who doesn't come from an HR background, that's really helpful to kind of think about that. And maybe even a question to pose to leaders, right? When you're talking about the HR function, do we want, if you have one HR person, do you want a traffic cop or do you want a city planner? And and, and I think what it comes down to, what I've heard you say too, is like, there's a lot of administrative tasks that have to take place in HR, making sure people get paid and we sign the right paperwork. So we don't get in trouble and everything else is you onboard people, just hiring and filling spots. right? Right. But there's this whole aspect of like strategic HR, which is, I think exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. is how do you optimize and improve that entire talent lifecycle, train managers and support the business, but especially for small business HR people, when you have one person wearing all of those hats or a small team, it's really difficult to cross that divide and minimize the amount of time spent on administrative HR work so you can spend more on the strategic HR work. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's how you'll be able to further 
your agenda, you know, with what you want to do with your HR department um, is, is making sure, you know, to tie it back to the business and how you can truly help the business if you are set up properly and if you're able to focus the right way. Yeah. And most importantly, if you can be part of the strategy, be there, you know, to help everybody think about the people side of it, mm-hmm. um, because that's really where HR, you know, shines is in those settings, um, because we do think about all the things that the other people don't think about Mm -hmm. in terms of how are you actually going to get this done? How are you, you know, how are you going to make sure that people, you know, enjoy this and, you know, don't hate us for it afterwards. Right. So we're the, we're usually the only person thinking that. So you have to make sure that you have that seat at the table, that you are invited in because you're, you know, what your roadmap is, you know, what you're trying to accomplish and you stay focused focused on that for the betterment of the company. Um, I would say the other thing too, for smaller businesses and and smaller HR teams is really hone in on your leaders. Hmm. Um, The best thing that you can do is expand HR out to everyone. And you have to, at some point, help everyone understand that HR is everyone's job. It might be my title. It might be in my title, but I'm just another person that, you know, my job is just to make sure that HR is is set up the way that you need it to be because you need to do HR. (laughs) It's not me that needs to do HR. You all need to do HR. Um, It's just like safety or kindness. (laughs) It's really kind of, you know, it's everybody's responsibility. Um, And so, so you do have to make sure that the leaders especially understand why you are honing in on that talent life cycle. It's not for you. It's for them. Mm-hmm. is 100% for them. It's 100% to make sure that they have everything that they need to onboard and, you know, develop and engage and retain their people. Yeah. Um, Cause we're never hiring for our teams. We're hiring for your teams. <laughs> yeah. It makes total, total sense. So if I could summarize what I'm hearing you say, you help me fill in the gaps of what I'm missing, but you know, I know there's probably a lot of small business HR people out there who are listening to this right now and just saying, Yes, that's the challenge that I'm facing, right? So much time on administrative stuff. I want to help communicate that. So what I've heard you say in terms of tips is you got to have a seat at the table with that senior leadership group. And in order to do that, you have to speak their language, right? You have to help them understand why your role and your function can be a strategic support to whatever they're most worried about and whatever keeps them up at night, right? Mm -hmm. Help them understand that by helping describe the talent life cycle that every employee goes through and trying to identify where in that talent life cycle, their employees or people on their team need the most help and support. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you just said about, um, you know, really making sure that they have that seat at the table, that they are speaking the language of the business. Um, that is really what it comes down to is, is getting in there and helping them understand that you know the business and you know what HR can do for the business. And you just stay singularly focused on that um, and then expand that out so that everybody understands that this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the betterment and for the, you know, for the empowerment of really all of our leaders in the business so that you all can do what we need you to do on the talent life cycle. Yeah. I think that's a, a key last piece that I missed too, is after you kind of get that buy-in and help them understand you want to support their business, how do you mobilize then those leaders to play an active part in all of that aspect, all of those aspects of the talent life cycle and take on the 
sub HR role. Everyone plays a role in HR. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What other tips or recommendations would you have for small business people who are either the solo HR person mm-hmm. or on that small team and they want to, they, they, they can see that future state that, you know, we've been talking about. What other tips and recommendations do you have for them on how do you communicate that in the right way or move their organization forward to be able to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So really, you know, what I was saying earlier about focusing in on your leaders, that's that's going to be my biggest tip for especially smaller you know, teams, um, smaller uh, companies, because the leaders are the ones that ultimately need to be executing that talent lifecycle in their environment. Right. So it it's the best, the best thing for you to do, regardless of the size of your company, is isolate those leaders. It does, it does several things. Whether you find those leaders because you determine some criteria or something like that, or you have your executive team nominate people, you know, whatever it is, it it helps the leaders understand, oh, okay, this isn't going to be a typical HR type of deal here where it's just a blanket approach, right, to the whole company or a message to the whole company. No, it's they're just talking to us. There's just a specific group of us and we're considered leaders. And make sure that that group is not necessarily all managers of people, but truly leaders in your business, right? They may not have direct reports and things like that, but truly are they leaders? Do they influence? Do they persuade? So really make sure that you... um, ask your whole, you know, ask your executives and ask everybody to help you pull that group together. And then I I would say my second tip is really um, hone in on talent management and talent development, because there's really no other way to get any different results um, or to better engage and retain your people than through talent development and developing them and making them smarter or better, whether it's within their role or, you know, as a leader or, you know, in that next position. Um, one of the best things that we did at, here at Rug Doctor, once we determined that we had this opportunity to pull together the leaders, and once we isolated that group of leaders, we then we then built uh, Rug Doctor University essentially, and Rug Doctor University is um, there's a college for every team member, and and every team member is in a college is the idea around it, and so the colleges are based on position and phases. So there's onboarding college, there's new hire, new to position, um, you know, next posi- in position, next position, and then leader. And the whole idea is to make sure everybody's in a college at any given time, no matter where, you know, no matter what role that you're in. Um, and that is built on a foundation for us that we call the leadership foundation. So while we built the colleges for our employees to go through and start engaging them, whether they were within the role or we had already decided, hey, you're somebody that we think you're going to get to the next role. Let's start preparing you for that now. While we did that for the employees, we took that group of leaders and we really focused on them. And we took them through first unconscious bias training, gave them that training to help them understand how to what unconscious bias is, life-changing training. If you haven't gone through it, it's yeah. life-changing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we taught them about that, taught them how we expected them to learn to lead without bias. And then the next things that we focused on were those basic skills like feedback and coaching. Uh, really important because the thing that you have to remember 
no matter what company you walk into and you try to do HR, um, is that most of the people in that company were probably put in their leadership roles without very much support or any type of transition or any type of, you know, um, training or development to go from being an individual contributor to a leader. Mm -hmm. So you're dealing with all kinds of leaders. If you don't rally them together and make sure that that they are focused or there's some sort of core for them all to relate to, right? And that's why we said, okay, well, let's have them all relate to unconscious bias training. Mm-hmm. Um, we call when we call that the rug doctor way. I even have it on my yeah uh-huh. <laughs> the rug doctor way of leading without bias. Um, the rug doctor way of providing feedback. The rug doctor way of providing coaching. And then you know we take them through to performance management, right? So we get and again this is all so that they know that we expect them to run the business and make decisions on people. If they're waiting for us to make decisions, one person in HR, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to help the business. Yeah. So you have to, the smaller team that you are um, and the, the less resources that you have, the more you need to rely on those leaders and help those leaders understand you all are an extension of the HR team. That nothing that I am doing is for my benefit. It is solely for your benefit. Um, and this is how you will take it. And this is how you will turn around, you know, and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, so those would be the two things that I would say really, you know, for smaller teams and or smaller groups or smaller companies, um, just to really make sure that everybody understands that HR is is everyone's job. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's just about people and how do we yeah. help our people be happy and successful and yep. what they do. So exactly. Ariel, this has been such an awesome conversation. I feel like <laughs> I could just keep going for like hours on this because there's just a wealth of knowledge here. But this has been so great. I really appreciate all the insights that you've shared. Sure. I know, you know, listeners out there are probably thinking the same thing as me. And there's now so many ideas of like, what do I go and do now? What can I change? So this has been so great. Thank you again so much. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, there's one last question that I really like to ask all of our guests. It's not really related to our topic, but um, as we take a step back, you know, some of the context is at our company, Eddie, one of the parts of our vision that I love the most is we really believe that building a healthy company is one of the most charitable things that you can do if you do it in the right way. And you can apply that to a company level. You can apply that to a team level because it's it's a, it's one of the most charitable things you can do because you can impact the lives of people. You can impact the lives of those on your team and your customers and your community that you're in if you can really do that right in a healthy, right way. So with that context, in your opinion, what's the quote unquote right way to build a healthy team or business? Well, I love that. I love that you guys look at it that way. Um, and I think that's an incredible perspective to have. Um, and it's very true. <laughs> and I like, too, that you focus on the word healthy because that that really is all encompassing. Um, and, and it really reflects what HR has to think about all the time, which is everything, <laughs> everything at all times. So I think, you know, to build a really healthy team or business in general, I would say that you've got to start by making sure that you've got ways to listen in place. Don't get too far down the road before you realize maybe we should have a survey. (laughs) Maybe we should ask our people. And I think that most companies, um, 
they just end up forgetting that, you know, you might, and you might put in a voice of your customer and maybe you have a way to understand what your customer is saying, but HR's job is to remind everyone that if you're not out there in the field, if you're not out there collecting the money or making the money or generating the money or whatever, then you are supporting the internal customer. Mm-hmm. That's your role, right? So the the, the organization is going to focus on the external customer without a doubt, but HR has got to make sure that the internal customer is not ignored yeah. um, because they're ultimately the ones, right, that are the face of your business. And so I think that if you started out with making sure that there's multiple ways for you to listen to your employees and give your employees an opportunity to tell you what's on their mind through annual surveys, you know, mid, you know, quarterly surveys, whatever it is, establish ways for you to listen and for you to show that you are listening um, and do it early on and, and just make sure that it's, you know, anytime you choose to listen to your people, that you're going to pinpoint one or two things that you're going to truly make a difference on and, and make some changes on and communicate that back, you know, communicate that back to your employees and make sure that they know you're listening. Um, Cause I just think that, that, that often gets ignored and you kind of at some point realize, Oh, we should be listening, you know, or we should be right. asking. And it's like, yeah, you should have been doing that from day one. That's you know? right. <laughs> I, I love that tip. And it resonates with me so much, you know, because me personally, I come from a marketing background. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in marketing today, you wouldn't ever say, oh yeah, we'll never, we never talk to our customers. It's just like common knowledge today that like, of course you have to talk to your customers and you got to get that feedback. Right. Yep. And I think that there's so many applications of that to like, well, who's your internal customer? Like you said, it's your employees. And so I do think that while many companies would, you know, laugh at the fact that you might not ever talk to your customers, like they would never make that happen, right? They would always make sure that they're going to talk to their customers. They forget to talk to their internal customers and it doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be a conversation that you have with someone, or it could be a survey or, you know, especially when you're small, it's, it's maybe just a meeting of feedback or whatever it is, but making sure that you're doing that, you're getting that feedback and making it actionable. I love that. I think it resonates so much. It's, it's critical. And you will, you'll be reminded very quickly of, you know, wow, we would not have learned this or understood this or had any inkling of this if we didn't ask. Yeah. That's great. Well, Ariel, thank you again so much. If there are listeners that want to get in contact with you or have follow-up questions, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So I only have LinkedIn (laughs) as my social media, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess. Um, So LinkedIn is perfect. Happy to connect with anyone um, out there. I think this has been um, an incredible experience for me to go from big companies to, uh, you know, now smaller company that's privately owned. Um, so I definitely feel like I, you know, can can help with anyone who's going through a similar transition like that. It definitely yeah. is a learning experience of it in and of itself, but it's been incredible. So happy to help if anyone is, you know, looking for that type of support. <laughs> Thank you so much for being willing to do that. We'll drop Ariel's um, LinkedIn profile just in the description. So okay. if you're listening and want to connect with her feel free to check that out there. So Ariel, again, thank you so much for taking the time and hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. 
but often small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddy. Eddy is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddy, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddy.com today to request a demo.